Welcome to Wake Up with Patty Catter. Come dive into today's episode sponsored by the Patriotic Mermaid. Hello, everybody. You're listening to and watching Wake Up with Patty, and I'm your hostess, Patty Catter. And today I have Dwight Heck with me on the show. Dwight is going to be a great interview because we haven't ever had a single father on the show. And that's what we're going to talk about today with Dwight. So Dwight, I'm going to dive in with you on um, just starting to ask you some questions and start drilling you if that's okay. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. Thanks for having me on. All right, Dwight. So if you could just tell our listeners just a little bit about who you are and where you came from, that's fantastic. That's where I like to always start so that our guests can instantly connect with you. Okay. Um, I live in Canada, um, specifically in the province called Alberta in the capital city of Edmonton. I um, have five kids. They're all adults. I was a single dad um, from 2008 on. Prior to that, I had joint custody of my kids. My whole life has been defined by um, family, not that that's bad. Uh, and I've struggled throughout these times, you know, raising them on my own as a single dad and some of the challenges that come about having four daughters and mm -hmm. one son, especially when I got full custody of them when they were teenagers. It was... Uh, kind of interesting but yeah I'm in the financial services industry for the last 18 years prior I was an IT consultant um, went to school for electronics engineering and um, I've had lots of different jobs in between right down to being a paper boy Mm -hmm. So when I was reading your bio, I thought of a few different things we could talk about, but one of the things that stuck out to me most is that you were a single father and you are a single father. Um, I've heard so many things about single moms, but I really don't know a whole lot about single fathers. And I just think that there may be some extra trials that you go through because a lot of people ex expect a single mom maybe, or a lot of people have heard that the courts normally just award the mother custody of the children no matter what, but that's definitely not the case. And as time goes by, and as I'm old, getting older, I'm learning that there are a lot of single dads out there and there's not a ton of support for them. So I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit about when you first became a single father. Um, you, now you mentioned that you had some joint custody and you know, before that, but yeah. what was, what led up to the point of you being a, a single dad, if you don't mind sharing? Sure. Um, so I had joint custody of my kids and it got to a point where out of the five kids, there was constantly phone calls and I'd go rescue them. Sometimes from the front of the house, they'd be hiding under a tree or the side of the house, or I'd pick them up at the local store. And they were, there was so much trauma from their mom's side of the family that their mom was still trying to deal with that she was projecting it on the kids. And it got to a point that in approximately 2006, it was getting so bad. I'd have kids come live with me. They'd stay with me sometimes six months. I had one stay with me for two years and then mom would offer him the moon and they'd move back in with mom and go back to the joint custody situation. But I could see their pain and anguish. 
and it was getting to the point that her materialistic offerings weren't good enough for them. And they started saying comments to me that, you know, dad, when do we get to make the decision to be with you? Um, the more stable parent, the person that's always consistent. And at that point, even though they, my, their mom had joint custody with me, I took them to all their all their extracurricular activities. I was the one dealing with the school. I was the one paying all the fees. I was pretty much, I might as well have been the full-time parent. They're, they're, I think this is, it might sound harsh, but their mom's house became a, just a flop house for them. Mm -hmm. And when they'd go to get out of my vehicle for the week to be with their mom, they used to, they used to dread it. They, and it broke my heart. So in 2006, I made a decision I was going to, I had a nice enough home, but I wanted to build a home that was going to be, you know, no bad memories. Not that there was bad memories in my house, but they'd bring those bad memories to my home. Right. And then we'd have to deal with that and their heartache. So I decided to build something new because in, God was talking to me and telling me, you know what, you're going to have those kids. And in 2007, I moved into the house had the first of the five kids move in with me full time. And by 2008, I had at that time, what would have been my 13-year-old daughter called me up crying, kids in the background saying, you know, when, again, when is our turn? When do we get to make a decision? And I said, right now, you just made a decision. I'm coming to get you guys. And I come and got them all except the youngest, um, my son, um, she refused to let him go because at that point in time, he was, oh, I can't even think how old he was now. He was maybe eight, nine years old. So I took the, I took the girls and left and started a long, just about three-year process in court. And, you know, I can talk a little bit about that as we go through this um, conversation about how difficult it is for a man to get custody of his kids and how the stigma of, me being a parent because I'm male, that I'm not good enough. And, you know, it was, so that's, that's a good start. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of men who've said that they've stayed with their spouse just so that the kids will be happy. But I believe that in cases like yours or a lot of cases out there that the kids will be happier if you're not with that person or the spouse or, you know, you're, significant other who you had children with. Um, so sometimes it doesn't work out and it's okay for parents to split up. And in your case, they're really lucky that they have you in your life in their lives because a lot of them don't have a dad in their life, but you're a good example of a dad who doesn't have to be with the mother of the children and you're still taking care of your kids. So kudos to you on that. Um, now when you first realized that you're going to have all of your kids under one roof for the most part, except for your youngest. Um, what were your thoughts? Were you, were you nervous about that or happy about that or both? I don't know if I necessarily was nervous that because I, I already had honed the skills to be that parent that they deserved. They didn't ask for us to get divorced. They didn't ask for the craziness that ensued even through the divorce process. Um, so no, I wasn't necessarily nervous about that. I was nervous about how I was going to continue to work and pay the bills because all of a sudden I didn't have that period of time where I'd have a week where I could work hard and then have that week where I didn't, right? Um, because during the weeks that I 
didn't have them, I still picked them up and took to their extracurricular activities, but I could still drop them off at mom's and I'd go do appointments in my finance business. So I wasn't really nervous about that. Um, I was kind of anxious when they moved in because now all of a sudden their eyes are looking at me for everything. Mm -hmm. And they already had, that was, that's the thing I had to admit to myself within mm -hmm. the first, I'd say three months, they already had been leaning on me for everything. They already had been calling me for even my daughters in regards to their, their, you know, their feminine needs. I didn't have a problem with that. I dealt with that. So when they moved in, it just magnified the fact that it was real time 24 seven, that I had to always be engaged. And I, and so I was nervous about how I was going to provide for them, obviously, um, not just on the emotional front, but the financial front, because if you're not financially able to provide for your family, your emotional front is kind of tattered and ragged and it's stressful, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, so when they moved in, <laughs> yeah, I had some angst, absolutely. I wasn't worried about raising them, though. I had already been doing that for years. And, and some people had already said that I was a single dad, raising my kids because they didn't see any really interjection from their mom that I was doing at all. Mm -hmm. And so when you took the kids to your house to live and you were in charge of everything, when you would go to the schools for parent teacher conferences, I'm kind of curious how that would go because, you know, sometimes either parents will go together or mom takes the responsibility a lot. You don't see dad come in a lot. So I bet you teachers were pretty impressed with you, but I bet you also may have had some questions. Oh, I had lots of questions. When I went to the school, I was ostracized by some teachers in the way that they talked to me. They talked to me in that snidey tone. They would answer my questions, but they wouldn't necessarily give me the, the respect I deserved because I had earned it. I had never given them the impression I was a bad person. Um, their, the kids' mom had spread rumors about me. So it took a while before people started to warm up to me. Did everybody? Absolutely not. Uh, in the parent-teacher interviews, we got to the point where there would be two of them. I would go, and then what the mom would go. Within about a year, she stopped going altogether. Mm -hmm. She was just trying to put up a facade like many parents do, because it happens on both sides, male and female. They, they try to present themselves as something they're not. And the school would, I dealt with everything. The school would call me, I'm, you know, kid got hurt. I was the one doing it prior to having them full custody. So the, the administration were always kind to me because they knew I was the one pulling the weight. Mm -hmm. But it was trying to get past, like you said, the teachers. And the worst, though, was the parents and how they segregated me. Because I, was, I would go on field trips with the school because I self-employed. I'd go on as many field trips as I could for my kids for the numerous schools they were in. And the way I got treated on field trips um, by some of the, the staff or the parents, I'd be given, you know, here, you take these little boys, no, no girls, mm -hmm. right? It was, it was unbelievable. And it took years before some of these, I could break the barriers down that, you know, I wasn't a, I wasn't a pedophile. I wasn't a wife beater. I wasn't a alcoholic. I wasn't a drug addict. I was just, a man that was put in circumstances that didn't work out and I was doing whatever I could to support my children and raise them. So yeah, it was kind of character building at some times. Mm -hmm. I remember you saying that you had mostly girls. Did you say four girls? 
Yes, four daughters and the youngest is a boy. So from a mom's standpoint, um, I remember when my oldest daughter had a friend who lived with her dad. And this little girl asked my daughter if she could come stay the night. And I remember how nervous I was <laughs> because it was just the dad and the little girl there. And of course, you know, honest, I'm just being super honest here. Um, of course, your mind is like, oh, I don't know, because it's a man, you know, but if the situation was where both parents were there, I may not have thought about it. However, we should think about any place our kids go, regardless if it's a, a mom or a dad, because I've also heard, I've heard some really bad stories about some moms who um, have had kids over and then she ended up having, you know, she was smoking a joint in the backyard. That was one story that, um, my daughter's friend told us that she's, she's like, Oh yeah, so-and-so's mom does this. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, you don't want your kids to go there. You know? Um, now, now it's a little bit different. Marijuana's legal. We won't go into there into yeah. that whole thing. Um, but you know what I'm saying? I think, um, so what about that? Like your girls wanting to go places and have friends over. How was that it for was, you? It was, it was horrible. Mm -hmm. My daughter, my daughter's 12th birthday, we planned, we planned a huge gathering, had the house all decorated. I think she had about 12 to 15 kids invited. Mm -hmm. um, if it wouldn't have been for some of her cousins coming, there was only one kid that was invited that actually showed up. And yet we had, RSVP from probably 10 kids wow. and they didn't show up and my heart my daughter it's still my daughter's now graduated this year from nursing mm -hmm. and you know she's 20 just turned 25 a couple weeks ago but it still resonates with her it still mm -hmm. bothers her and it, it angered her and as an adult they're very protective of me and you know stuff like that you're right we should worry whether or not our children are going to whatever they go to. My kids, when they live with me, drove them nuts. Oh, we're going to such and such place. Okay, well, give me the phone number. I got to talk to the parent or the mm -hmm. parent has to call me. Why? Because yeah. I'm yeah. your caregiver. I'm your protector. I'm your, you know, I'm your person that needs to make sure you're safe. But that birthday party still resonates even in my mind, made me sad and I cried. Mm -hmm. It was horrible. And there was many parties like that over the years where the, the, the parents wouldn't allow their kids to come and the kids were segregated. It was, it was uh, terrible. Um, one level of segregation we had happened when I first got the kids, I'll add this little story. My kids, I was friends with these two ladies. I won't use their names, lady A, lady B. Mm -hmm. And they were both married, had kids. We went to soccer together, like community soccer. I was good friends with the husbands, good friends with the wives. We used to all, you know, at that time I was already divorced. And all of a sudden these two ladies left their husbands and became a couple. They came out. And I was one of the parents that still communicated with them where everybody else in the school ostracized them. And, they're, and they'd stand way off when they picked the kids up. And their kids would come over to them. I'd go talk to them, which just compounded the problem of what I was going through. But at the end of the day, I don't allow the committee of they to control who I'm going to associate and communicate with. And people are terrible how they judge one another for 
sometimes it's it's out of their hands. It's just it is who they are. They're wired a certain way. I was wired to be a single dad, a, a, I believe a good single dad, and they were wired not to be married to men. And, you know, they had wonderful kids and we still communicate. I still know where they are, what they're up to. My kids are still friends with their kids. Cause that's another thing. Their kids would come to our parties. My kids would go to their parties. Nobody else in the school would go to their stuff. So mm-hmm. we, we supported one another. So that's why I wanted to tell you that little story. Mm-hmm. And that's good because a lot of our listeners and watchers, um, they are always looking for something to take from this. So if you're watching right now and if you're a single father maybe, or even if you're just a person who you're feeling alone right now, like nobody else is like you, um, there are other people like you out there and there's some amazing people like you out there. So, um, Dwight, I was wondering if you could tell us one of your hardest trials during that whole time of having your kids, um, living with you as a single father, do you, can you pick out one time that was maybe the hardest and how you overcame that trial? Um, I think one of the hardest trials was the fact that when they were living with me is my one daughter, even though I had a court order that I had full custody of them, my one daughter was easily manipulated by their mom. And she ended up, would she'd get mad at me because I wouldn't let her go out with friends or I'd want to call that parent or that parent call me. And she'd get mad and run off to her mom's sometimes for a week, 10 days, two weeks. It was no use going to court or trying to do anything because it costs so much money. And the end result, at that age, she was about, oh, I think 13, 14. She would take off to her mom's house. And this became a repetitious thing. And I'd, I was I denied her to go to a New Year's Eve party right? She was 15 years old, 14. Yeah, she just turned 15, denied her to go to a New Year's Eve party. So, you know, I thought it was all whatever. She says, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I'm going to go hang out with mom on New Year's Eve. And, and what was I supposed to do? I said, well, I'd rather you not. She's not a good influence. I have custody of you. But, you know, if I don't let you go, you're just going to take off. So, okay, go ahead. Well, her mom let her go to this party to oh. be with these people anyway. Mm-hmm. and you know, um, the answer to what happened there is sitting on my couch right now. And he's seven years old, going to be eight. Right. So she ended up getting pregnant at that party. Mm -hmm. So um, that was really difficult to deal with. Because you feel I felt helpless. And it happened over a quite a few year period of time trying to protect her, and her thinking that and her mom convincing her that I was just a control freak and it was really difficult because it got out into the community obviously you know we all have little communities our Mm -hmm. school communities extracurricular communities and the the stares and the little whispers and the gossips and in conversation a little innuendo and it was really tough for me to deal with emotionally and mentally and stay strong for the other kids too while trying to emotionally help a girl out who because she ended up getting into a fight with her mom and she was with me for the whole pregnancy she was mm-hmm. with me for just until he just about turned I think it was a year and a half just about two years old before she finally moved out got her own place so 
it was challenging because all of a sudden now people in society that were already judging me that may have started to warm up to me a little bit. Now all of a sudden, see, look what he did. Now she's pregnant. If he would have been a better father, a better parent. Now, if his mom, you know what I mean? I heard all that. Mm -hmm. I actually heard this stuff said to me, well, maybe if she had stayed with her mom and I'd, I'd bite my lip, some people I'd say, well, this happened because her mom let it happen. I didn't have anything to do with it. It was out of my control. Mm -hmm. But, you know, people don't believe you. They don't care. They, they're going to believe what they're going to believe, mm -hmm. whether, you know, you try to explain yourself or not. So that was probably one of the most challenging things, having a teenage well, she wasn't even a teenager yet. When she had um, my grandson, she was a teenager. But prior to that, she wasn't. Um, well, I guess so. She was 15. Sorry, she mm -hmm. was a teenager. But it was it was really challenging. It just compounded. Um, you know, we don't want to believe that we care about what others think, and we try really hard not to as a as a society. But it does. Mm -hmm. You can see those laser stares or people looking at you, and you know, all of a sudden now. I'm have a car seat in my vehicle. My daughter didn't have a vehicle, couldn't drive, and I'm dropping her off. She's at in school, and I've got taken him to daycare. I'm picking him up from daycare. The daycare parents who give me strange looks, or you know what? It, it's just people are cruel, mm -hmm. whether they try to be or not. They are. Mm -hmm. It is true. Um, I think that it's easy for us to say like. I could tell you, Dwight, don't worry about those people. They're idiots, you know? Um, but still at night when we lay our heads on the pillow, I know that we're our worst critics too. And I'm always thinking about, you know, the things that I could do better in life. And so we have our own um, finger pointing at ourselves that we're doing. And then with outside people also doing that, it can make it really difficult. Um, was there ever a time that you just thought, well, maybe I'll just throw in the towel because what's the use in fighting all this or what's the use in, in trying to, um, fight for these kids if, you know, we have teenage emotions and we have mom coming into play and then she'll leave and then she comes back in. Um, was there a time that you were going to give up or no stubborn? <laughs> Uh, oh, I'm tenacious when it comes to being stubborn. Mm -hmm. I can honestly tell you, I never had a feeling ever where I wanted to pack it in and not continue to fight for them mm -hmm. and, and always have that forgiving heart. You know, what my daughter, daughters, and even my son, they'd say the cruelest things when they didn't get their ways mm -hmm. because it was learned behavior that they learned from their other parent. Their other mm -hmm. parent used to talk to me like that too. Hmm. married, divorced, after the fact, it, you know, so they had learned behavior. And it just made me dig in my heels more because I knew that they were hurting. And sometimes, though we say things in that knife, those words can never be taken back. As a parent, it's your responsibility to shoulder that, be bigger than that, rise above it, hydroplane above the crap, and accept the fact that they're still your child and that you need to get over yourself and the fact that it's about you bothering you that they, it wasn't intentional they were just trying to get a rise out of you to get their way or to you know they're hurting inside their heart hurts they're six inches between their ears isn't able to comprehend what they're feeling quick enough so they say things mm -hmm. and i just it dug my heels in harder to to want to support them even more not run away 
Mm-hmm. I love that. That's, I do the same thing. When I'm passionate about something or when I love somebody, I'll do everything I can. Um, and I think that a lot of our listeners are like that. We're all kind of on the same wavelength as trying, as far as trying to level up our, ourselves and other people. Um, what would you tell people who might know a single dad in their community? Um, what advice would you give them to maybe reach out to that person and show them a little compassion? If you know a single dad that's out there, look past the facade because a lot of single dads, we still are in a society that expects men to be the strong person and they'll put up a facade and trying to show you that they've got their act all together. And when reality, when you open the, the door on their facade and you peeked inside, you see that they're hurting. They're going to bed at night like I did for many years in quiet desperation frustrated, um, not sure to who to turn to. They may have a daughter that's going through hitting puberty and they don't know what to say. They don't know what's the questions to ask the daughter or, you know, how can they emotionally support or do they know people that maybe, maybe it's a woman that goes to that single dad and they can say, you know what, I understand your daughter's 11, 12. She's going to start, you know, she's going to start having, monthly concerns can I be of help to you put your hand out help help lift people up instead of judging them for the facade they're putting up men are been programmed for too many years to be tough and not soft not be vulnerable and I wish I would have had more support I had to go and seek that support and ask for it and that was uncomfortable in itself Mm -hmm. yeah because with girls I can speak for myself um there are those monthly mood swings too that you, I'm sure you had a lot of fun with. (laughs) Definitely. I used to, you know, Patty, you'll, you'll think this is funny. So I've always loved cooking. So I'd get them from school, start homework, extracurricular activities. I'd have to plan. So I'd cook meals for them. And, you know, we'd, we'd sit down and we'd be discussing things and it would be like going from zero to a thousand in emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one daughter would trigger another daughter who would be defending me because you shouldn't talk to dad like that. <laughs> and I'd be going, well, that's okay. I understand you're, you're going through this right now in this month. I understand emotion. That's no excuse. And <laughs> you know what I mean? So all of a sudden you'd, you'd have a nice meal and it would have a powder keg. It would just be like, boom. World right? War III. <laughs> oh, when you have, yeah, with that many daughters. Oh, my goodness. And, and I always had, and that same daughter, let's say, that would be emotional and another daughter supporting, the next week it might be role reversal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Yes. So it was character building, to say the least. To say the least, I'm sure. Um, where can people find your social media, Dwight? Uh, the best place to find all my social media is to go on my website. It's www.giveaheck.com. Um, at the bottom of just about every screen, you'll see all my links to my social media. Um, if you want to just, if you don't want to do that, you can find me on uh, Instagram at giveaheck. So give dot a dot heck. Um, it wouldn't allow me to just put in give a heck, but you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on all social media platforms. I post every single day um, 
videos and I've been doing that for quite a while but yeah the best place if you want to find out about me my boat section will give them an idea of being a single dad and what I struggled through why I got into the career that I did and yeah so give a heck.com excellent I love that website I'll never forget it so it's a really catchy name um, do you have any last words that you'd like to say to our listeners today um yeah you know whether you're a man or a woman be proud of being a single parent. One of the things that you mentioned too is that when you're raising kids and you know everybody thinks you have to be a couple, that's not true. Sometimes staying together is more harmful for the kids and all the older generations that did that, I know their kids and are their clients of mine, some of them are friends and those kids were irreparably damaged because they could feel there was no love in the home they could feel that there was you know maybe the parents were in separate rooms they could that damages them and they never know where they stand because they're they're not sure which parent to please they're afraid to ask which you know go ask your mother go ask your father you know what i mean that sort of stuff i'd say if you're a single if you're together don't be afraid to to be alone right mm -hmm. you can be better as a parent. I know me as a parent and now the decisions that I made for my children, I didn't have to be questioned by anybody. Mm -hmm. I was able to right or wrong. I'm not perfect. I made decisions that probably weren't the best, but I was able to make those decisions and I didn't have to get questioned. The kids had consistency with me before and during, after the fact when I got um, custody of 100% custody they knew consistency from me. They knew when they come to ask me stuff, when the answer was the answer, that was the answer, right? There could be discussion depending on what it was. So to your listeners, I'd say don't judge those men and women out there that are single parents. Go communicate with them. They might need some support once you open the door of their facade that they've been presenting. And to those of your listeners that are still married and hurting and don't know where to turn, living in quiet desperation, it's okay. There's so many groups out there. You could even reach out to me and have conversation, whether you're a woman or a man. I, my kids have jokingly called me the dad mom now for <laughs> close to probably 15 years, right? So I have a perspective on both sides and I'm not going to judge you. I'm not a woman hater. I'm not a man hater. I'm just a human that loves everybody and wants to help everybody out. So feel free to reach out to me. There's always hope right? There's a storm. Like they say, there's always hope before the storm. Have hope that your kids should be your number one priority and staying in a broken relationship is not good. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Dwight. That is, that's very wise information for our listeners. I think it's so important. Um, so everybody make sure you go to giveaheck.com and check out Dwight and um, we'll have all the links on the show notes and um, we'll have a link on this video. So thank you all for listening and watching and everybody head over to pattycatter.com to listen to more episodes. Thank you all and have an amazing day. Thank you, Dwight, so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed our time today. Thank you so much for having me on and I enjoyed myself. It was fantastic. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Wake Up with Patty Catter. Thank you. Thanks for all that you do. Sponsored by the Patriotic Mermaid. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. I love the show, guys. You're awesome. For more information and updates, check out www.pattycatter.com or thepatrioticmermaid.com. Also, make sure to drop us a follow on Instagram at Wake Up with Patty Catter and at The Patriotic Mermaid. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on all major podcast platforms. Until next time, take care.